There's moments in sports and life, and it's true with hockey or anything else, where you know you're a part of something special. When I played in the Calder Cup Finals two years in a row, I remember looking Tyler Bertuzzi in the eye after a whistle, and he just crashed the net or slashed me or something. We looked at each other, and the fire of competition was right there between us, you know, and we both smiled, right? In a moment, we probably should have slashed each other's hands off. We both smiled at one another. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of The Drop. I'm Ardo Cal. I am flying solo today on this edition. Greg Wyshynski, of course, is off because he just had a child. That seems like a fair excuse not to go to work. Take as much time as you need, buddy. You know we love you. We will welcome you with open arms when you return. In the meantime and in between time, we're still doing shows every Tuesday and Friday. You can find us wherever you get your audio podcasts as well. The NHL on ESPN on YouTube. Now, this is going to be a stacked show. A lot of news has dropped in the last few days in the NHL. I will give you my winners and losers for those news items. We will get to that in a second as well. It is Royal Rumble week. If you are a pro wrestling fan, this is one of the most fun weeks of the year. The Royal Rumble is typically uh, people's favorite match of the year. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we bring on former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna as our pro wrestling analyst, a longtime pro wrestling fan. Uh, we get to chop it up and talk a little WWE. That will be a lot of fun as well. Uh, but I want to start with this shirt that I'm wearing right here. Uh, it is, as you can see, uh, a collaboration. You know I love my hockey and Star Wars. This was from the Florida Panthers. Star Wars night happened a few days ago, uh, and they did a great job. Here is a better look at it right here. Um, is it AT-AT or AT-AT? Throw that in the comments. I know it's a debate that Star Wars fans always have. Uh, all I know is that this shirt is absolutely dope. It's gorgeous. Shout out to uh, the creatives over in the Florida Panthers front office. Uh, for doing such a great job because I feel like I feel like every idea at this point, like it's bobbleheads, shirts, jerseys, you know, like Star Wars nights have been happening for years in the NHL and sports period. Right. So to keep things fresh, to try and integrate, uh, you know, you really got to you really got to think on it. So uh, when you see something like this, this is this is very nice, very well done by the Florida Panthers. So want to give them some props. Uh, this showed up at my door a few days ago. So uh, thank you very much to the Florida Panthers, to Adeline and the entire team over there uh, for uh, for this wonderful gift. So uh, big fan of hockey and Star Wars, as I said. So uh, I I often I try to track them all. Uh, there are a few that are happening across the NHL this season, a few more left to go. And I'm sure that there will be some fun collaborations uh, across those as well with the teams. Okay, let's get to the big news. Winners and losers. Number one, new head coach for the New York Islanders, Patrick Waugh, back in the NHL. Coached the Colorado Avalanche, of course. Was the coach long time with the Quebec Ramparts, two-time Memorial Cup winner. Of course, won the Stanley Cup four times as a goalie with the Montreal Canadiens and the Avs. But now he is back with the New York Islanders. He won his first game in overtime, 3-2 over the Dallas Stars. Uh, what a shakeup. Lane Lambert out, Patrick Waugh in. So, 
uh, winner for me, the element of surprise, not necessarily the fact that the New York Islanders were going to make a coaching change. I think a lot of people were expecting some sort of shakeup. So the fact that the that uh, a coaching change occurred for the Islanders is not the surprising part. Patrick Waugh had also previously been a name that people were saying could possibly return as a coach in the NHL. But not recently, like his name was not out there as much as it used to be. So this sort of felt when you saw the news, Lane Lamp, uh, and it and obviously it was a, a, a combined piece of news that happened on a random. I think it was a Saturday afternoon. It was like Lane Lambert out, Patrick Waugh in. And when that dropped, it almost felt like, by God, that's Patty Roy's music. Like it just came out of nowhere. Like, wow, Patrick Waugh is the one that's replacing Lane Lambert that's joining the New York Islanders. So it was it more the element of surprise that it was Patrick Waugh, not necessarily because it's surprising that he's back in the NHL in any certain way. He's definitely created an impressive resume, like I said, with the ramparts in the queue, two Memorial Cup wins, and he does have the NHL experience with the abs as well. But more so the fact that it was quiet on the Patrick Waugh NHL coaching front, at least among hockey circles and what was being publicly reported and posted, etc. So I would say the element of surprise is a win there. Winner, the Montreal Canadiens. What do I mean by that? So general manager Lou Lamorello has a history uh, of, of um, tapping into the Montreal Canadiens' legacy as it pertains to his head coaches, particularly with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, names like Larry Robinson and Jacques Lemaire and Pat Burns, who achieved uh, any sort of success with the Montreal Canadiens, big and small, uh, ended up becoming coaches with the New Jersey Devils and ended up getting, getting success with the New Jersey Devils. And now Patrick Waugh, who, of course, won two Stanley Cups that first year as a rookie in 1986 and then again in 1993, two stellar playoff years for Patrick Waugh winning Stanley Cups. Now he becomes the fourth in that line, but now the newest head coach hired by GM Lou Lamorello uh, to lead a Lou-led team, and that is the New York Islanders. So uh, that lineage continues. Obviously, there is a winning tradition or something that uh, has been identified uh, by Lou that if you were a part of those eras, that caliber of winning, maybe uh, you know something that is taught as part of the organization, uh, wanted to bring that to the Islanders. And you could already see the fingerprints uh, as Patrick Waugh coaches in practice and in games. And that leads me to my first loser. And that is silence. If you were hoping for somebody that was just going to remain mouth shut behind the bench, uh, you got the wrong guy. Patrick Waugh, uh, by all accounts, by people uh, who were covering the team, you could see it on the beat um, by the tweets from the beat reporters. Uh, he was pretty loud behind the bench and you could hear him levels up at UBS arena. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Actually. I love it. And, and, and if you uh, saw some of the video from his first practice, he was very vocal. He was not shy and that's his style, right? Like this is not new. It's just jarring in a way, perhaps for some Islanders fans that are seeing this for the first time as compared to, uh, previous iterations, it's definitely a, a, a different vibe for sure. So 
Uh, And this could be exactly what the Islanders need, right? And and Patrick Waugh is setting the tone early, uh, creating a very strong first impression. And he even mentioned that in the uh, post-game press conference that he had. It was was 15 minutes, uh, spoken English and French, equal amounts of time, really. And he taught one of the first French questions that he received. uh, He talked about how he uh, uh, seeked counsel from Jacques Lemaire, who also works in the Islanders organization, and said, hey, like, uh, Jacques Lemaire told him one of the first one of the things you should really uh, think about is, you know, your first speech to the team is a very important one. Create that strong first impression. And and you can tell that Patrick Waugh uh, has certainly done that. And uh, there, there's a lot of uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here long term. But in terms of immediate impact, you you saw him stopping drills. You saw him uh, fine tuning and and changing things. He wasn't even using a whistle in practice. He was just whistling himself. He was so loud, like the you know the vibe the vibe is absolutely there. So uh, and, and and here's the other thing. I like this from a media perspective as somebody who is constantly looking for hockey content uh, to cover. We always talk about people like torts, you know, like quotable, uh, big quotes, uh, big personalities, whatever the case may be. Patrick was going to fall into that category as well. There's always going to be something interesting to talk about as it pertains to Patrick was so for anyone creating hockey content or anyone covering the sport of hockey in that hockey bubble Patrick was going to be a net positive from that point of view so this is great from our angle uh the another loser is timing with a question mark and I would be very clear on this I'm not saying that the timing of this was bad what I'm what I'm getting at when I make timing a loser is A lot of people were questioning, uh, did this happen too late? Maybe this could have happened sooner. My question is, like right now, the Islanders are in the thick of a wild card spot, right? Like they're in this battle. But the thing is, the Eastern Conference is an absolute gauntlet. There are a lot of strong teams that is creating. and, And this is not new to this season. Like we saw this in the last couple of seasons at least, the Eastern Conference is very, very middle-heavy in the sense that there are several teams that you could see occupy a wild-card spot. And that will mean that some teams will be heartbroken that have maybe been playoff teams for the last several years that may not make the playoffs this year because of the level of competition that exists at that tier in the in the Eastern Conference, and the Islanders certainly fall in that category right now. Now, there is still almost a half a season to go, and I think they're two points out as I record this. So, you know, to say timing is almost a moot point because they're essentially in the wild card hunt very firmly right now, and it would take, you know, a series of losing streaks and losing to uh, Eastern Conference teams time and time again, but Every single game is going to be important. Every single regulation win against an Eastern Conference team is going to be important from here on out. So, you know, whether it's whether it's uh, this week, next week, next month, whatever the case may be, you know, the, we will be looking at the standings very frequently. And so that's that's the lens in which I am putting timing uh, as a loser in this particular situation. Uh, for the New York Islanders and Patrick Waugh. 
Item number two, Corey Perry reportedly will be joining the Edmonton Oilers. This comes from our colleague Emily Kaplan reporting on Sunday. Corey Perry has agreed to a one-year contract with the Edmonton Oilers. This was also reported by multiple media outlets per ESPN and Emily. The deal to finish the season will include performance bonuses and is prorated to the league minimum. Winner, depth, Corey Perry. Uh, was cleared to join an NHL team after what went down with the Chicago Blackhawks, which has been spoken about on this show in the past. So he, if uh, according to the reporting here, he's joining the Edmonton Oilers. And boy, does that add a great offensive depth piece. And by the way, somebody that has a very recent track history of our track record, I should say, very recent history of making the Stanley Cup final, helping teams make the Stanley Cup final, three different teams, uh, even though um, he unfortunately wasn't able to win the Stanley Cup in those instances. He did, of course, with Anaheim in, two th- in the uh, mid 2000s, but three consecutive years, Montreal, Dallas, and Tampa, not in that order, but those three years, those three teams, he made the Stanley Cup final. And now with the Edmonton Oilers, that could make a fourth in recent memory because the Oilers, as they stand right now, franchise record, winning streak, they look back to be firing on all cylinders. Connor McDavid has woken up from his start of the season slumber and is already battling in the Art Ross trophy race and the Hart trophy race. And now you have great, a great secondary offensive depth piece with Corey Perry, a great overall addition there uh, for a team that clearly wants to win now. And as Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid have said, cup or bust. And that's certainly still the sentiment in the city of Edmonton. Uh, loser completion i say this as a completion as somebody who plays a video game and needs to get it to a hundred percent in order to be able to move on or if i start a, a tv series or a movie i have to see it through uh look no further than dexter i wish i stopped after season four are the oilers done after acquiring Corey perry do they need a goaltender do they need uh more defensive pieces do they need another offensive depth depth piece Uh, There will still be questions to me, and this is going to be a theme for this show, for this episode. I will always, always look at goaltending. To me, that is still the most important position. And I know that we have recent examples. Look no further than the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. They did not have the strongest goaltenders in the league. They still won the Stanley Cup. But those goaltenders were performing very well, including Aiden Hill, who quite frankly was one of the most important reasons the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup because he was lights out during the whole playoffs. And so not that that not that a lot of people predicted that or expected that going into the postseason uh, when when uh, last season. But still, I still wonder I wonder about the Oilers and whether they will make a move uh, between the pipes before the trade deadline. And if you ask a lot of Oilers fans, they would love nothing more than to see something like that. So that remains to be seen whether uh, we are done with the buying and uh, the buying for the Oilers uh, for the trade deadline as the trade deadline approaches winner Canada, the entire country. Why do I say this? A Canadian hockey team has not won the Stanley Cup since 1993, the Montreal Canadiens. I mentioned that earlier. 
The uh, Canadian hockey teams have also rarely made the Stanley Cup final since. Uh, it has been few and far between that a Canadian hockey team has made it to the dance. And obviously it's been decades since they've won the Stanley Cup. But with the addition of Corey Perry to the Edmonton Oilers uh, and other Canadian teams that are at the top of the league, look no further than the Winnipeg Jets. This is a year where you really look, the Vancouver Canucks, the Winnipeg Jets, the Oilers, even throw the Leafs in there, even though they aren't, they don't seem as strong as they did last year and previous years. But still, you look at these teams and say, maybe this is this is the year that we might see a Canadian team face a Canadian team in the final again, where we would be guaranteed a Canadian Stanley Cup champion. So for me, this move signals just a, an overall win for the country of Canada, especially those who really want to see a Canadian team win a Stanley Cup. But a city that I mentioned earlier, a loser would be Toronto or any team looking for secondary scoring or more of these proven Stanley Cup uh, playoff run contender, we know what it takes to win kind of players. And no doubt at all, Corey Perry is absolutely that. He knows what it takes to win. He's won and he's made it to the dance several times, three years in a row with different teams. He knows what it takes to win. And Many teams in the NHL could use players like that, that have that experience, that have that acumen, that know how to dig deep and know what to say in the locker rooms when things get tough. And so uh, it definitely for Toronto, who might be looking for secondary scoring, uh, Corey Perry off the market limits those options. Item number three, the all-star captains and celebrities have been announced. Team Blue, Austin Matthews, assistant captain Morgan Riley will be teamed, will be joined by Justin Bieber. Team White, Connor McDavid, assistant captain Leon Dreisaitl will be joined by Will Arnett. Team Yellow, Nathan McKinnon, assistant captain Kale McCarr will be joined by Tate McRae. And Team Red, Jack and Quinn Hughes co-captains will be joined by Michael Buble. Winner, Will Arnett. Full stop. He is stealing the show. The whole selection draft, we will be calling it the Will Arnett draft. Because that guy, Gob Bluth, is going to steal the entire freaking thing. He is going to be the absolute best part of the show. He's going to be hilarious. He might even do magic tricks on stage. I mean, who knows? All I know is that Will Arnett is going to be the guy that I'm keeping my eyes on because I really think that he's going to be the one that we're talking about when it's all said and done. Winner, trades. I want to see a trade happen at this uh, tr draft on Thursday night of All-Star Weekend, and I think it's going to happen. I don't even think the assistant captains and the captains will remain on their teams by when it's all said and done. Who knows? Maybe Jack will throw his brother under the bus and trade for Leon Dreisaitl. We don't know. It would be hilarious television. So I'm just putting it out there in the universe that I hope the captains and the celebrities have a little fun, decide, you know what? Let's make some trades. Why not? We can do whatever we want. It's a blank canvas. So let's take advantage of it. 
Loser, the rest of the All-Star festivities. Why do I say this? Not because I'm hating on the All-Star game or I'm hating on the skills competition. I actually think they're going to be a lot of fun this year. What I'm saying is I think that this is going to be the best event of the weekend. I think that we're starting off very strong. I think that the draft is going to be overall extremely fun. And I think that this has the potential to be the most memorable part of the weekend with the most quotes and the most laughs and the most fun overall. So so that's why I say the rest of the All-Star festivities are a loser in this particular scenario. Another loser, CM Punk. Why am I referencing a WWE superstar as a loser here? The reason being, I had been uh, standing this whole idea of CM Punk being a celebrity captain at the All-Star game uh, with Connor Bedard, of course. And Connor Bedard is out with a, with a uh, broken jaw surgery, so... Totally understand that he's not a celebrity captain here. He, he may have been if he wasn't injured. I, I would guess so. And maybe CM Punk was going to be a celebrity uh, tag team partner in this situation. But I think CM Punk would have been a great addition here. He is a massive hockey fan. He is a very charismatic guy. So I guess what I'll say here is I hope overall at a future event like this, we see CM Punk integrated, participating, something to that effect. Keeping it with the pro wrestling theme, the Royal Rumble, the 2024 edition, is going to be happening this weekend. And we decided that would be a great time to bring on friend of the show, former NHL goaltender, pro wrestling fan enthusiast, and now analyst, at least on this show, Mike McKenna. All right, the Royal Rumble is just around the corner. We thought, you know what? This would be a fantastic time to bring on a good friend of the show. First time on the show, though, former NHL goalie and now pro wrestling analyst, official to the resume, like <laughs> pro wrestling analyst, uh, as we're calling you right here on the show, on the drop. Uh, Mike McKenna joining us. Mike, thanks for uh, making time for us and uh, breaking down the uh, wrestling action that we're going to get this weekend, man. Oh, man. Thanks, Arta. This is awesome. I tell you what, I've, I've been a paid food critic when I played in Portland, Maine. I've done analysis work on the NHL. I've written about IndyCar racing, but I finally get to add another passion in pro wrestling and especially WWE. And with the rumble coming up, this is perfect. Thank that, you. That That is an impressive resume. Very random too, like a whole bunch of different stuff going on. Oh, there's a whole lot of layers to this onion, brother. I mean, I could, I could go through <laughs> all my interests that dude, when I was a kid, I wrote all my term papers, like on either like snakes or tornadoes, you know, and <laughs> And I love. Tell me metal. you didn't like, watch the WWF in 1990 without telling me you watched the WWF in 1990, right? Jake the Snake, well, Texas Tornado. Exactly. I love it. Well, and thinking <laughs> about that moment, right? Snake wheels out the King Cobra, and it, you know, and it bites Macho Man. Like when you're a kid, you're watching this, and you're just going, "Oh my God, this is happening!" You know, and I'm thinking Macho's done for. He's not going to sell another Slim Jim. Yes, that was what captivated me as a young it. man. It was awesome. I love it. I can already tell this is going to be the best conversation ever. I, I have one question for you, uh, sort of hockey pro wrestling adjacent, because I've always been curious about this before we dive into the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and fantasy booking. Yep. We always hear stories of college football players, NFL players, 
former uh, whatever division one college athletes uh, transition to pro wrestling, right? Yep. We off we we do hear of like people, especially if they're uh, oftentimes Canadian. Hey, I played some hockey growing up, but you know I didn't make it very far. Uh, then I discovered pro wrestling, and you know I made a good career for myself. Like Christian Cage is a good example. He was he was a goaltender when he was growing up. Yeah. Why do you think that people that make the NHL we don't often hear the story of a former NHL player transitions to a career in pro wrestling? It's tough, man, and it should happen more often. Like think of some of the pugilists we had that would have been so good at pro wrestling. I think part of it's because hockey has a longer it, there's a longevity to your career in hockey. You know, most players can play until they're 30, 35. Even if you're banging around the minors, like you can still make a good living in hockey. So, like, football, where are you going to go if you don't make the NFL? Like, are you going to go play in Canada? Maybe. Like, you know, like they're done by, like, 25, 6 if you're, if you're not – don't make the cut. Um, other sports, kind of the same way. College is the top unless you make it to the very top echelon of it. So – we have the personalities in hockey. We've got people who are strong enough, tough enough, big enough, all those things. It's kind of been disappointing because I've actually sat in on meetings when I was on the exec board for the Professional Hockey Players Association, which is the minor league union. Um, we had people actively trying to recruit hockey players. Like we had that connection. We had a person working with the PHBA who had worked with WWE before and we didn't have any takers. Which shocked me. You know, I think a Steve McIntyre, right? He's a firefighter now. Remember Steve McIntyre from yeah. the NHL? Just a, uh -huh. an absolute monster, right? He would have been incredible in the ring. And a guy like Eric Nielsen, who was Sidney Crosby's protector in the in the Quebec League and then grinded out a career in the minors. This guy, I've seen this guy do Ric Flair promos, okay? Spot on. Bang on. He'd be calling season ticket holders, outgoing. This guy would have been able to cut a promo like no one else. But we haven't had any takers. And again, I think it's because we beat our bodies up so bad until 30, 32, 35 that you don't want to go into another discipline where you're going to continually feel that strain on your body when you're done. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's definitely not the toughness part of it. Like even the no. image of like missing a couple teeth, like pro wrestling fans would love that. Oh, and there's so many players that could instantly fill that void. Yeah. Like Cam Jansen's a buddy of mine. We grew up in St. Louis together. Yes. yes. You know, Cam would Cam could be like Goldberg 2.0. Just go in and pile, just boom, jackhammer somebody, and it's done in 30 seconds, you know? God. Um, you can think of so many. But, George LaRock would be a great choice. Like, yeah, there's so many guys that you're like, just instantly like, yeah, this guy could be a good pro wrestler. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm actually disappointed by it because I do think we'd have a built-in intrigue to it, you know? I mean, and look at, I mean, Pat McAfee can go do wrestling. Like, he's a serviceable wrestler with some training. Oh, absolutely. Like any, people can do this stuff, um, but you got to really want to. Um, and, and I've only met some people in hockey that are really into the pro wrestling side, right? Like, we've got a group chat that I'll, dis I'll disclose it. I mean, like, I've got friends that are you know, one's an NHL goalie coach, another's a head coach in the ECHL. One's a former American League ref. We have a group chat about wrestling. You know, and like I know there's the a head coach wrestling fans, right? And we've been desperately trying to get Bruce Boudreaux in the chat, but we're not sure how to approach <laughs> that. You know, so 
<laughs> They're out there, but there's not as many. I want to see Bruce Boudreaux uh, be a mouthpiece for some wrestler down the line. That'd be great. Just for one match, maybe a Kevin Owens or something like that'd be hilarious. Uh, I wonder if there have been talks about that because, you know, I remember Good a point. couple months back, Bruce walked in and did kind of all oh, the right they did like Sammy a backstage Zane thing yeah and ko together and man he was so good at it and his personality he'd be a great guest manager for maybe maybe just if they were do, working you know they were they, they were working an angle for maybe a month or something with bruce right it, it would yeah. just god it'd be awesome so you mentioned uh, serviceable wrestlers i think he's much more than serviceable i think he's excellent uh logan yeah. paul facing kevin owens at the royal rumble in tampa uh this weekend january 27th who's gonna win the royal rumble mike <laughs> it's well has there ever been a more wide open year there's so many yeah. big names in this rumble and it makes it so hard to handicap it i think cody's gonna win it again and i oh. and i and it's tough for me because here's the thing cody rhodes is an unbelievable wrestler but he's not my favorite at all. Okay. Like, and, and this is, this is what I love about wrestling. You can just absolutely hate somebody and it's okay. Right. Like I can't stand Cody Rhodes. Like, but I love watching him as a wrestler. I'm sure like as a human, like we'd be, you know, right. You just get on, but it's the character work. Right. And I don't know. I feel like he's the guy that's set up no matter how much, you know, you got punk in the mix, but what if punk decides, you know, what if Punk wins it and then he doesn't go after Roman? Does he go after Rollins if he's healthy? Like all these things. Like I can't pick it because of the intrigue factor. And who's your dark horse? Right? Like what if Gunther comes in and just cleans the table? Yeah. Like what if what if the rock comes flying in and takes it? Like it's just wide open to me, but I I just have this gut feeling that Cody's going to be the guy again and then he's going to finally get his shot but i don't know how that factors in with the rock i can't figure that out against roman that that is such a great point right because this year it really feels like there's so many outside factors that are determining what the matches could be right like yeah. how important is the roman reigns streak because he's so close to Hogan, right? Like that mm -hmm. he can he can surpass Hogan for number of days as champion in one reign. I think it's September, right? So like yeah. how important is that in the in history, right? Like should mm -hmm. do we need to get to that point? And that but I, that would mean that that would probably change the course of WrestleMania, right? Yeah, and what's hard about this is honestly, I'm just I'm sick of Roman being champion. I have no other way to say it. I'm done with it. Like oh. I just I need a chaos factor, and I need I need something new to give me some juice with this because we like COVID screwed everything up, right? Like you mm -hmm. just you kind of were mixing and matching, and it made sense how it was working. And I live for the chaos factor of wrestling. You know, like I was rooting so hard for Jinder Mahal to beat Rollins, and Rollins <laughs> is one of my. I mean, Rollins is one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite wrestlers. I show up, I sing the song, whoa, I do it all. But I wanted that chaos factor, right? Like, Jinder surprised everybody seven years ago. What if he did it again? You know, just a total curveball. 
Um, you were the one guy cheering when he came back on Raw. He was the Mike, advertised world champion. Mike, stay. Woo, yeah, I'm cheering my head <laughs> off, dude. I'm so. I'm like, this is perfect. And even though everybody knew it was a setup for something else, I was amped about it because I actually really like. I love that antagonistic character that Jinder portrayed, right? Yeah, I loved when totally. Volkov would come out and sing the Russian national anthem. Like, the, the, the works back then were so strong in the 80s that were just, they, you could get pure hatred out of a crowd for that. If you play to the patriotic side, why? Dude, Hacksaw Duggan, okay, my father-in-law went to high school with Duggan in Glens Falls, right? His uh -huh. whole shtick, USA, whoa, a flag and a two-by-four. Unbelievable shtick. But anyway, I'm getting off track here. I, I think that Hogan's record, I mean, Hogan's the guy straight up. Like, is are, are we really, are we going to say Roman Reigns is the greatest of all time, bar none, hands down? Because if he passes Hogan in terms of days as champion, to me, that's a true passing of the torch to say this is the guy who's been the mark of everybody all like in all time. In my heart of hearts, I don't think WWE wants to go there. I don't. That's my guess. Mm. But Roman is a deserving champion as much as I still want to see somebody beat the wheels off of him. Uh-huh. And that, that makes it so complicated for Mania. Yeah. Like, to me, if, if the streak matters, then have Rock and Roman at Mania and have Roman win. Because like, the, the other thing is, like, that match doesn't need a title. Mm -mm. Like that's the head of the it just table needs match. to happen. That yeah, match needs to happen. That's the the bloodline head of the table match. Like the, the that's like the lineage, the family at stake. Right? It yeah. doesn't need a championship. No, it's the Lannisters stepping up and deciding who's going to rule yes. on the Iron Throne. Man, it has exactly. to happen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I I've 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 heard a triple threat uh, situation with Rock, Roman, and Cody. I don't like that at all. Nope. I am not Same a fan. Boat. I want singles match. Give me one or the other. I know that it's murky and complicated, but get me to just one one of those matches. I agree. Sure. I'm, I'm. There's a time and place for triple threats, for you know four person battles, and I'm trying to think of. <sighs> Last time, Rhea Ripley had a great four fatal four way, and I can't remember who was against to retain the belt, and, and that was a great match. And I can't remember when that one was. I lose track of the pay per views, but. Mm. There's a time and a place for those, but when you've got two absolute giants like a Roman and Rock, like imagine throwing, and and no shade to anybody here, but imagine throwing L.A. Knight in the mix there or throwing Orton in the mix. Like it just wouldn't feel right. That's what mm -hmm. I'm, I'm about the emotion of it. You know what I mean? Um, that has to be mono mano man-on-man, one-on-one. Has to. Roman, Rock, no question. Everybody wants it. Okay. It, and you have to give, at some point, you got to give the fans what they want, man. You yeah. have to. Like, that's what this is about. Like, that's why Lawrence Taylor can, could walk in and headline stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I would love to see them go one on one just for the thrill factor of it. I wonder what The Rock is going to look like in the ring, though. You know, yeah, I, I, he was, he, gonna... he was pretty rough shape against, uh, or on Raw, even just that it one just... spot with Jinder, right? Yeah. I mean, at that age, like, can he have the energy that makes it feel believable and not just a tribute act? You know, like, right, how do you right. pace that match out? Like, what they did with Austin and KO in Texas. Remember that match when Steve Austin Terrific. came back? 
And it was great because they let the pacing of it play out. Austin was ready for it. They slowed it down. But The Rock's not really a slowdown guy, right? He's a brutal match type of guy, right? Drop an elbow, big, strong. So I'm curious to see how that could play out because we know Roman will at the top of his game. Yeah, and to your point, though, like KO drove that match, similar to how yeah. Sammy, Sammy Zayn drove the match with Johnny Knoxville, right? Like, sure. I know I can I can carry this match and make it entertaining. Here's what you need to do in this situation, and maybe that's what would happen. Maybe that's why the triple threat happens, not mm -hmm. for the marquee reasons, but we know that Cody can carry the match, right? Because yeah. no, he's, I... the, he's the regular guy, so it's like, if we need an entertaining match for a WrestleMania main event, we know we can rely on Cody to present that, even though that's not the ideal storyline perspective, I guess. Cody will make anybody look good in the ring. Rollins yes. will make anybody look good in the ring. You know, like, and and again, like, this is what I love about it. I hate, I hate Cody Rhodes. I just don't like this guy. Man, I, I appreciate what he does in the ring so much. He's so good. Absolutely. So good. But... I don't like that added factor. You know, like when I have triple threat matches, when I'm watching a triple threat that I find intriguing, you know, I want to see Sheamus and McIntyre and Gunther, you know, like, I don't want to see you just toss in a Tazawa or something for the, for the comedy <laughs> factor, right? Like it's gotta be focused and have a purpose for it. Um, so yeah, don't, don't give me code. Give me Cody at SummerSlam. If you're going to do it, if you have to, if he doesn't win it, like take it down, kick it down one more. Cause whether it's Mania or SummerSlam, these are your prime times to, to get the, the belts to change. Yeah. And I do, I mean, I always wonder as well, like, are they going to run out, you know, two men's main events as the two headliners as well. Right. Cause the right. women's side is, I mean, for me, man, I love the women just as much as the men. I don't know if, why anybody wouldn't at this stage, when you think of how good that talent is knowing you got. I mean, Becky's absolute top of her game. Bianca, same way. You've got that whole uh, damage control faction that's just aching to be split up into a couple of different groups. Like, I don't know. It does feel like the men's side has more momentum right now than the women's to headline. Who, who's winning the women's Royal Rumble? It's not going to be Nia Jax. At some point, she's going to go over the top rope with 18 people helping her over. It's inevitable. Yeah. Does she get the diesel um, spot where she eliminates like 12 people before that, though? You know what oh, I mean? I like she's, so. she's in the ring like this, like, come on, who's next? Like, let's go. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll be in there hamming it up, acting like she's better than everybody else. <laughs> and then the big juice behind throwing her out is going to be Jade Cargill. And this is going to be the moment Ooh. where here comes Mrs. Muscles. Dude, Jade's going to come in there and toss. And there'll be help, but she's this is going to be like her moment where she arrives on the scene, I think. And that's where I, I it's hard it's hard to pick it like right like Bailey's probably a good bet to win. But I I'd like a curveball for the women and I'm not sure it's easy to pick. Like I I don't think Jade would just come in and win right off the bat. Um I mean I could see I could see Liv Morgan showing up and winning this thing, right? If she comes back, that's that's one that I think is believable. Becky's always believable. Becky's incredible. Yeah, um, but I think it's going to be Bailey, Becky. Liv's got a good chance at it. Jade. I mean, they may do it with Jade, but I wouldn't. I don't like always coming back and winning, right? Like Edge did. Edge comes back and wins. Cody's back. He wins. Like at some point, you got to break that up. Yeah, you don't need the return victory. And, and Jade with that, like your idea there imagine her 
like taking 13 people to eliminate Nia Jax. Imagine her slamming Nia Jax, like picking her up, showing the right. strength and slamming her over the top rope. That's the moment you need. You don't need her to win yeah. the Rumble. That moment no. right there will solidify her as a player, you know? So that's, and that's a lot that. like that's a lot like when Rhea, you know, Rhea gets called up and she ends up in the final three of the Rumble a couple of years. And it was her, yes. Charlotte, oh, and Bianca. Bianca? Bianca, I think. I think it was those three. And there was an incredible moment in that match because it was one of the best rumbles I'd seen where all three of them were kind of out towards the ropes and they all just looked at one another and they had this, they had, they all had this like mischievous smile on their face where there's moments in sports and life. And it's true with hockey or anything else where, you know, you're a part of something special, right? Where you can look your opponent in the eye and know that you're accomplishing something special win or lose right i've felt that before uh even in the american league in the finals like there when i played in the calder cup finals two years in a row i remember looking tyler bertuzzi in the eye after a whistle and he just crashed in that or slashed me or something and i just looked at him and we looked at each other and the fire of competition was right there between us you know and we both smiled Right. In a moment, we probably should have slashed each other's hands off. We both smiled at one another. That's what I love. That's the compelling stuff about wrestling sports while you watch. I'd like to see something similar this year. I also love that you gave us an awesome comparison of the Royal Rumble to the Calder Cup final. I love that you just made a connection there. Outstanding. Uh, I knew this was going to be awesome, Mike. Uh, we're going to definitely have to have you on before Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania, so I'm booking you now. Please make yourself available. Thanks, brother. <laughs> brother Shout out to go, Chris brother. Slammer. Yep. There he is. Chris Slammer, brother. He's my What's guy, she gonna dude. Do? What's she yep. going to do? Hey, man, I love I love promoting the indie scene. That's awesome. Mike McKenna joining us here on The Drop. He'll definitely be back. Thanks for this, dude. This was a lot of fun. Oh, this is a blast, Art. I hope we can do it again, man. Thanks for having me.